0: Welcome to Klet's Heads, the podcast about bilingual children. My name is Sharon Onsworth, linguist at Radboud University in Nijmegen, the Netherlands, a mother of two bilingual children. In this second episode of Klet's Heads, we ask how much language you need to hear to become bilingual. I talked to an English teacher here in the Netherlands who has chosen to speak English to a child rather than her native Dutch, and the 11-year-old bilingual boy, Loïc, teaches me some French and tells me what he thinks is good about being bilingual. On with the podcast! Bilingual children grow up in many different circumstances. In some families, each parent speaks his or her own native language with their child. So for example, mum speaks Italian and dad English. In other families, both parents speak the same language and the child only comes into contact with the language of the wider community at a childcare centre, in the playground or at school. This is, for example, what we do at home. We live in the Netherlands and both my husband and I speak English with our children. But at school, with friends and at football and with the neighbours, the kids hear and speak Dutch. How much contacts bilingual children have with their two languages, of course, depends on many other factors, not just what the parents do. Think, for example, of older siblings. In an English-speaking country, bilingual children with older siblings often hear more English than children who have no siblings, or only younger siblings. When it comes to the non-English language, variously referred to as the home language, heritage language or minority language, it's very easy in some cases to get access to films, books and apps, whilst for other languages it's a lot more difficult, and sometimes impossible. What can also affect how much input or exposure bilingual children get in their two languages is that in some families there are family members or friends nearby who also speak Turkish, Italian or Japanese. But for others, mum and dad may be the only person speaking that language with the child. All in all, this means that there can be big differences between children in how much Dutch they hear and how much they hear in the other language language. The question is, of course, to what extent these differences between children also lead to differences in how well they understand and speak their two languages. How much language do you need to hear to become bilingual? In this episode of Klet's Heads, we explore the answer to this question with Erica Hoff, professor at Florida Atlantic University in the USA. I started our conversation By asking Erica if the fact that bilingual children have to divide their time between their two languages means that it is inevitable that they will perform worse than their age mates who can spend all the time on one language.
1: No, they won't necessarily be worse at all, but it will in all likelihood take them longer to get to the same place. Right. So will that be the same, say, for all different aspects of uh, language? Well... No, in the long run, no. Early on, different aspects of language are very tied together in a development. And so you see the effect of the split input or exposure um, as you described it. You see the, those effects across the board in vocabulary growth and grammatical development. But in the long run, Things like vocabulary development and grammatical development differ. In grammatical development, at some point, children have mastered basic aspects of the grammar. They know how to put words together. Once you know how to put words together, then then you've accomplished that. And so, in those kinds of milestones we see and other people who have studied this see that the bilingual children catch up to the monolingual children um, after a lag. Vocabulary development may be different because mm-hmm. vocabulary development sort of goes on forever. We can always keep learning new words. and that may be a place where bilinguals are different from monoling are always different from monolinguals. They are not necessarily different in a way that matters in most circumstances, but they they may, if you test hard enough, you may see forever a difference between someone who only uses and only reads in one language and only speaks one language and only goes to school in mm-hmm. one language. Mm-hmm. There, there may be forever some differences between such a person and someone who is doing their reading and writing and speaking in two or more languages.
0: Right, so we're talking about vocabulary. I guess the words you know are the ones that you use in the, in the parts of life that you use your language for, right? So you might know words in one language and, and, and not in the other. You don't have to know words in both languages.
1: Well, too. we see that in, in the, the children uh, that we look at. Uh, one of the standardized tests we use, for example, um, has a picture of scissors and it's a test of the child's uh, knowledge of the word scissors. And it's far more likely that a child in the United States, who for whom Spanish is a minority language and English is the language they go to school in, they're more likely to know the word scissors in English than they are in Spanish. And that's just one example. There are many, many examples of words that bilinguals will know in one language and not the other because they only do that activity in one language and not the other.
0: I remember when my um, daughter went to school uh, couple, uh, a year or so after she started and uh, this is one of my uh, favourite examples She when she got angry with me because I was doing something she didn't want me to do or something uh, she'd say stop mummy so we, we speak English uh, at home we should stop mummy or I'll put you in the gefangenis <laughs> and the gefangenis means, means prison uh, or jail and I know full well that she simply doesn't know I'm not sure she knows that word now probably but she definitely then didn't know the word a jail because it wasn't a word that we we'd used at home so she got that mm-hmm. from school inevitably apparently this is something that kids say to each other in the <laughs> in the playground when you're angry you're threatened with jail so just as a carpenter knows all sorts of special words about wood and saws, words that you and i probably don't know because we don't do woodwork ourselves bilingual children don't know all the words in both of their languages either because they may never have come into contact with them in one or even both of their languages. This is the same for adults too. So we talk about comparing bilinguals and, and and monolinguals. We've spoken about the different words that they might know, and we've spoken about the grammar or the way they put their words together into a sentence. What about when they start learning to speak? Because that's something you often hear that bilinguals are slower at starting to let's say combine words, pu- putting words together. Is
1: is, is that true? Um, yeah, that's what we found is that um, the, the bilingual children uh, lag, and, and this is a development that occurs young enough and fast enough that we actually know how long the lag is. They lag three months behind monolingual children in reaching the milestone of first starting to combine words. And these are the bilingual children I'm talking about are children who, on average, get about half of their language exposure in English and half in Spanish. The size of the the leg or the length of the leg is different depending on that balance of exposure. Uh So a child who gets 70 or 80 percent of their exposure, say, in English, will have a much shorter lag, they'll be much less different from a monolingual child. And a child who hears only 30% of his language exposure in English will have a longer lag. The rate of language development at this early age is very influenced by how much exposure to a language the child hears. It goes slower if the child hears less and it goes faster if the child hears more.
0: Right, so to be clear, we're talking about around age Oh,
1: I'm talking two, about two and a half. Yeah,
0: two and a half, right. And you said, so there's about a three month uh, difference. That's comparing bilingual children in one of their languages to monolinguals, yes. right? And what happens if you take the other language into if account?
1: If you take the other language into uh, account, bilingual children and monolingual children look remarkably the same at this uh-huh. early age. You can, at a young age, it gets hard to do with older children, but at a young age, you can pretty much count all the words a child knows. Right. And if you count all the words that bilingual children know in their two languages, it is very much like the number of words that a monolingual child knows in just that one language. So
0: when it comes to how children put their sentences together, what we call the grammar, then once children have learned the various structures that they need, they can use these to create new sentences with any words. What Erica and her colleagues have found is that it can take some bilingual children a bit longer than children who speak only one language to start combining words into sentences. This doesn't hold across all children, though. The difference between bilingual and monolingual children, or the lag, as Erica refers to it here, is related to how much input or exposure the children get in the language in question. Bilingual children with more exposure are more likely to develop as quickly as monolingual children of the same age. Another important thing to bear in mind is that the differences between bilingual and monolingual children disappear when you take both of the bilingual children's languages into account. This holds for both the age at which children start combining words and for how many words the children know. Many researchers argue that we shouldn't always be comparing bilinguals with monolinguals. Not all bilinguals are the same, and to a certain extent, this also holds for monolinguals too, especially in early childhood. So comparing the two as though they're well-defined groups makes little sense. Worldwide, there are more bilinguals than there are monolinguals, so monolinguals aren't always the norm. There's definitely something to be said for this, but... In many countries, such as the Netherlands and the UK or the US, schools are designed with monolingual children in mind. This holds for many of the standardised language tests that schools and speech-language therapists use when it comes to assessing children and their language development. The norms are very often based on monolingual children. As long as this is the case, comparisons between bilingual and monolingual children are inevitable. Erica explained how important it is to take into account other factors that can influence children's language development when you're making such a comparison. One of these factors is the parent's level of education, which is often used as an indicator of what's called socioeconomic status.
1: Socioeconomic status is a very strong predictor of language development. Right. And if you look at norms, uh, so big, large databases of the age at which children do things, if those norms are done well, they include a range of children from lots of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And bilingual children who get uh, studied also come from a range of different backgrounds, and it's just important to compare like uh, to like. Right. So if you compare bilinguals with
0: parents who've got a different level of education, say lower than your monolinguals, then you might find differences between the two, but it might not necessarily be due to them being bilingual. Absolutely. Right. You mentioned before that it can really matter how much of a language bilingual children hear, and we know that that varies, right? Some children only hear a, a bit of the language, uh, the, the minority language, and others hear that most of the time, especially in the, in the early years when they're at home. One of the questions I think parents have is how much input is enough? how much language do you need to hear to be able to become bilingual? Do we know the answer to that?
1: I, I don't think we, we know. It's a, it's a question people talk about and, and people have uh, tried uh, to do uh, research on. Clearly, there is some limit to how much information children can process at a time. You couldn't take a monolingual child and just talk to it twice as much, and then that baby would learn to talk twice as fast. I mean, the experiment's never been done, but nobody doubts uh, uh, the outcome of it. Um, On the other hand, within the normal range of experience that children have, I don't think there's any convincing evidence that allows us to say a certain number of hours a day, and then everything else is extra and doesn't matter. And and the way people often ask the question about bilingual children is, is 80% the same as 100%? Is Mm -hmm, 70% mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. same as 100%? I think the best answer to that is no. That is, every extra amount, makes a difference. Whether it's a detectable difference or an important difference is, again, a, another matter. What what often happens, and, and this should be, I think, a comfort to, to parents who are trying to raise their children as bilinguals in a monolingual world, which is often um, yeah. the, the circumstance for yeah, schools. Yeah is that where, where the schools are designed for monolingual children, they are still designed for a range of monolingual children. Right. Bilingual children are doing more. They are learning two languages, but the fact of the matter is with a lot of, of support, children can do two languages and, and not be at a great disadvantage, particularly if they're dominant in one language, and that's usually the case that a a perfectly balanced bilingual is kind of a rare creature. I always Um, say
0: it's a very monolingual perspective on bilingualism.
1: When we see children who come from bilingual homes, the children who have the most English dominant exposure are very close and sometimes not uh, noticeably different from uh, the monolingual children, the children who whose exposure is primarily in Spanish uh, have a different outcome.
0: Bilingual children who know exactly the same in both languages are rare. According to Erica, all the language input a child hears is important. But whether you really hear the difference between a child who hears English 80% of the time and a child who hears English 100% of the time is questionable. With a rich language environment and parents who support the language development Bilingual children can function just as well at school as their monolingual classmates, and certainly when the school language is the one that they're better in. We're talking about the way in which, you know, how much you hear of a language can affect the development of that language. So is it really an effect on how quickly you learn the language, or is it also an effect on where you end up, right, how well you end up speaking it?
1: I think the best answer to that question is that the amount you hear a language influences how quickly you acquire it. Right. But your ultimate level of proficiency is going to be more a function of the circumstances in which you hear that language and the uses to which you put that language. Right, right. The, the nature, the quality of your language exposure is going to affect the ultimate accomplishment, but the amount will affect the rate. That's a bit of an oversimplification, but I think there's a lot of truth in that.
0: Okay, we'll get to quality in a minute, (laughs) but for now, let's first listen to our Let's Head of the Week.
2: Let's Head of the Week. My name is Loïc, I am 11 years old, I live in England, and I speak English and French.
0: So who do you speak English with and who do you speak French with?
2: I speak English mostly with my dad, but I speak French mostly with my mum. Anybody else you speak French with? Like all my uh, French side of my family. And have you got like cousins and stuff that you speak French with? Yeah, but they're all in uh, Belgium.
0: They're all in Belgium? Yeah. But you speak French with them? Uh, Yeah, I do. So what's the best thing about being bilingual then?
2: Uh the best thing is that I have a wider span of languages and it's like kind of fun because like a few people in my school are French and we can just talk and nobody like knows what we're saying.
0: So it's like a secret language basically. So you can gossip about everybody and nobody understands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is there anything that's less fun about
2: it? Um no. It's great. It's great having another language because you have a wider span of like uh, people that you know uh, because they they live in different countries and also it's, I find it's easier to learn other languages like other than French.
0: Oh yeah, tell yeah, me about so that then.
2: So they're learning German right now, and I find I can do like the rolling like that, like when you yeah. say like rouge, uh, and when you say "de um, schere, uh, you do the. Um, like you do in French, and no, nobody in my class can do that because because I speak French, I can do it like easy. And uh, is it important to you that you can that you can speak both languages? Yes, because um, if I only knew how to speak English, I wouldn't like have that wide connection with my cousins or my grandparents. Because right now, I can speak in their native language, and they find that easier.
0: When you're older. Imagine that you have your own children. What language do you think you'll speak to them in?
2: Both languages that I knew. Well, actually, no, all the languages that I know. So they know all the languages that I know. And so they like advance in uh, the same pace that I did when I was uh, their age. So what languages will that be then? What languages do you think you're going to know when you're older? German and Spanish. You're going to learn all of those? Try to.
0: Yeah. Cool. Do you ever switch languages, you know, change from speaking English to French?
2: Yeah, I do that quite a lot. Do so you? Like I would say, um, I say quite a lot, We, oui, and then I would say, uh, I'll just carry on in English and then halfway through I'd say a word in French. Yeah. When I don't know a word in English, I always say in French because dad and mum both like know what that means, so it's just easier. So like, let's say I didn't know the word for, I don't know, carrot. I would just say uh, "carrot," and because that sounds similar, it would remind me of the English word garrot and "carrot."
0: Aha. huh. And are there some words that you only ever say in one language?
2: I say quite a lot. um, We, oui. maybe oui. more than I say yes.
0: It's kind of funny, right? Because "we" oui means something else in English. Yeah, we. Oui. Yeah. Yeah. Does so that never end up with some funny situations?
2: No, because dad knows that means. <laughs> I, I never say. It, I never say it like in school.
0: Oh, okay. That might lead to some funny situations, mightn't it? Yeah.
2: Have you got a favourite word in French? Probably. Um, I really like saying the word uh, "chamallow," which means marshmallow. Chamallow. Chamallow.
0: No, I don't know that word. And why do you like that word so much?
2: I just like saying it sounds like, instead of saying marshmallow, so, marshmallow sounds a bit more like spiky, but chamallow sounds round, soft. Gooey. Yeah, no, not gooey. but.
0: And is it also because you quite like marshmallows? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's your favourite way to eat a marshmallow?
2: Probably just uh, raw, to be honest. Can you read in French? Yes. Uh, yeah. I learnt, to be honest, uh, I actually taught myself how to read in French
0: tell me how you did that then
2: well um my granny uh, who's in who lives in Belgium she gave me like these comics in mm-hmm. well she didn't give them but when I went over there I would like start to like I don't know how I did it but I just started to read in French like I would just like know what the word would mean because um I know what the word like how it sounds and we I, that was hard we to be honest because that's O-U-I. Do you still read comics in,
0: in French then? Yeah. What's your favourite? Um, Les Troumpfs. Les Troumpfs. Is that yeah. the Smurfs? Yeah. Have you ever read the same book in both languages? Asterix and Oblix. Yeah? Yeah. And is that yeah. better in French or better in English?
2: I prefer in French because um, I think English people copied it from the French and uh, mm-hmm. the, you can't in English the jokes are really bad like because uh, like you would do like a joke in French and uh, they, they, it's really hard to convert that so they said completely different word um but and it's not as funny can you teach me a word in French do you know the word for you know the word for tree
0: Arbre, is that
2: right uh, yeah I have a good one go on then um, floorboards
0: Floorboards. I, floorboards. I, I definitely don't know that word. Planché. 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 So which language do you like to
2: speak the most? French. French? Why? Because when you speak French, you feel like you're like more um, part of a community than in English, because in English it feels just normal. Because once I went to school in Belgium, and I felt more part of the school, because I just felt more part of the school and more than in England because in England I still, still find it normal and in uh, Belgium I didn't find it normal at
0: all. Let me see if I understand what you mean. So is it like because when you're in England everybody speaks English and so then speaking French means makes you feel different and belong to a different community? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Would you do it again? Would you go back to Belgium to go to yeah. school again? Yeah. yeah
2: because um well, last time I went I didn't know that much French and like uh, at playground people wouldn't play with me much because I didn't I didn't know how to like to speak. It's a bit like um if like you're Spanish and you move into Germany, it's really hard to speak German yeah. because you're not at all used to it and it's like different completely. If I move again to Belgium uh, and go to school, I would be actually still in primary school, but I would be at the top of the school. And yeah. right now, I would love to go to school in Belgium because it's kind of really fun being at the top of the school. <laughs> I know more French, so I can like talk to people more. And yeah, would, like be included more.
0: Yeah, have you ever had kids in your school who came to school and spoke a different language but didn't speak English very well?
2: We have a Chinese girl, and um, she barely speaks like, in class and she still can like speak but i think she's uh, she's not that used to speaking english
0: do you think you have a better idea of how she feels then because of when you went to yeah, belgium was kind of like definitely. that too right
2: it yeah. feels more daunting and feels more embarrassing embarrassing what do you mean by embarrassing because you can't speak it and if you don't know a word and the head yeah. teacher's like uh, hello how are you present you to the whole school and you're like, you don't know the word for like, so let's say they ask you, when do you, when did you come here? You don't know the word for yesterday. Yeah. You just like stand there. You will not say anything.
0: Yeah. So going back to the Chinese girl in your, in your class, what, what would you tell everybody or what would you tell the teacher to do? What advice would you give them to make it better or easier for someone like her who can't speak English very well?
2: I would give her more opportunity to speak up, more opportunity so she learns. And also I would ask her how long she's been in England. And if it's only been like a month, I would uh, probably put her, I would like tell the English teacher to like include her way more.
0: Okay, that's your advice. Good advice there, Loic. So I'm going to, we're going to finish. And so I always finish by asking uh, whoever I'm talking to to tell me how to say um, thank you and goodbye.
2: Merci et
0: au revoir. Au revoir. Okay, merci et au revoir Loïc. Merci, Sharon, au revoir. Let's head
2: off the week. So Erica,
0: you just mentioned that it's not only how much language you hear, but the the, the kind of language you hear, so let's say so the quality of the language you hear that can have an effect on bilingual children's language development. What what do you mean exactly by quality?
1: Well, I can answer that um, in a couple of different ways. One dimension of quality has to do with the purposes to which language is put. The vocabulary and grammatical structures that you use at home, talking about home sorts of things, putting children to bed at night, feeding them breakfast in uh, the morning, uses a fairly limited uh, range of vocabulary even among the most proficient uh, speakers in uh, the world. On the other hand, language that's used in school, language that you read in, language that you work in, is going to draw on a larger vocabulary and a richer range of grammatical structures. So one aspect of quality, to oversimplify again, is, is it a home language or is it also an academic language and right. a workplace language? Another factor that influences quality even within just home language mm-hmm. use is the language proficiency of the speaker. And this might not be obvious. That is, if you're talking to a two-year-old, who after all doesn't know very much about Mm -hmm. the language, and you're just talking about what to eat for breakfast, you wouldn't think that the proficiency differences between, say, a native speaker and a non-native speaker would matter. How hard is it to talk about eating your cereal? But it turns out we have recorded mothers talking to their uh, children with playing with toys and doing uh, ordinary yeah, home normal, kinds of things. Normal things yes. yes. Some of these mothers are native uh, speakers of English and some of them are native speakers of Spanish, but who use the English that they know in interacting with their children, Mm -hmm. and we find differences. We find differences in the range of vocabulary that's used, and we find differences in the complexity of the grammatical structures that are used, and importantly, the, the limits in the range of vocabulary limits what we call the informativeness of the language. That is, children have to figure out the patterns of language from the speech they hear. And some speech is more revealing of those patterns than others, and speech that uses a rich vocabulary is more revealing of those patterns. So what we find looking at just monolingual children is The richness of the vocabulary in the speech they hear and the complexity of the grammatical structures in the speech they hear are positive predictors of their language development. And Parents who are not native speakers, particularly low-proficiency non-native speakers, do not use the same rich vocabulary and the same uh, level of grammatical structures. And so that's another measure of quality.
0: So the quality of the language input is important. Quality can refer to the context in which the language is used and who is providing language input to the child. The language that children hear at school contains a larger variety of words than the language that children hear at home. The sentences are also much more complex. This makes sense because the subjects you talk about at school are much more complex than what you talk about at home. The people who talk to a child can also differ in how fluent they are, how many words they use, whether they ask a lot of questions or the extent to which they explain things to the child. Erica told us about research that she and her colleagues have done in the US showing that Spanish-speaking parents who had learned English as a second language and who spoke English rather than Spanish to their toddlers talked to their children in a different way than parents who were native speakers of English. The second language learners tended to use less complex grammatical structures and the number of different words they used was more limited. What Erica and her colleagues found was that this impacted on the language development of the children, Toddlers who heard more input from second language learners of English and less input from native speakers had poorer language skills in English, at least at this early age. In a recent study that we did here in the Netherlands, looking at three-year-old bilingual children learning Dutch as one of their two languages, we found that what mattered wasn't so much whether children heard Dutch input from native speakers rather than second language learners, but how fluent the second language learners were who spoke Dutch to their children. Now, what can we conclude from these findings? Well, one conclusion is that you shouldn't speak your second language to your child if you don't speak it very well. The million dollar question, of course, is how well do you need to speak a second language in order to be able to speak it to your child and for the input you provide to have an impact. I think a good rule of thumb is that you need to be able to speak the language well enough to have the relationship you want to have with your child. So you need to be able to feel comfortable talking about all the kinds of things you need to talk to a child about as a parent in that language. Now, you might also be tempted to conclude from these findings that if you speak your second language well enough, then it's a good idea to use this with your child. Here, I'd say just because you can doesn't mean to say that you should, at least not all the time. Let's say you live in an English-speaking country, but you're originally from Poland. If you're the only person around who speaks Polish with your child, then switching to English, even if you're very proficient, is probably not a good idea, because that basically means your child is not going to hear any Polish and will likely not end up speaking the language very well if at all, which means that they might not be able to develop meaningful relationships with grandparents and other family members and they won't be able to profit from the various advantages which being bilingual entails. In such circumstances, you can better concentrate on providing as much Polish input as possible. If your children hear English from your partner, from other adults and at childcare or at school, they'll manage without input in English from you too. Imagine though the reverse situation, so you're a Polish native speaker living in Poland and your partner is a native speaker of English. In this situation, it might well make sense for you to speak English, your second language, at least some of the time and of course assuming you speak it well enough. The logic is essentially the same. If your children hear Polish at childcare or at school and from your wider family, then they'll likely manage without your input in Polish too. And the chances of developing into fully fledged bilinguals who actively use and speak both languages will be much greater. In the next part of the podcast, we hear from an English teacher here in the Netherlands who chose to do just this. She speaks English to her child, a language which isn't her native language, but is one that she speaks very well.
2: Let's class.
0: Hi, my name is
3: Marjolein. I live in Rijssen and I speak English with my child but you're not a native speaker,
0: I understand. No, that's That's, correct. Although I can't tell uh, by listening to you. So I guess the first question is, what made you decide to speak English to your child? Well, I'm an English teacher and um, I
3: I love English, of course, uh, but I've also studied a bit of linguistics at university and I'm very aware that the earlier you start learning a language... Or acquiring a language, the more likely you are to become pretty good at it. From my own experience, both my parents live used to live in the East of the Netherlands and they knew the dialect growing up and they never spoke it with me or my sisters. And when we all moved to the East, everyone was making fun of my funny dialect and I tried to emulate uh, what other people sounded like and couldn't do it, so it was a bit traumatic. Um, so, yeah, I want him to at least be able to do the sounds correctly. And I think it would be pretty embarrassing as an English teacher if your child couldn't do English that well <laughs> at school. So
0: I guess that's where it came from. So you, you wanted to like, uh, give them the chance to be become bilingual, even though they're not necessarily growing up in a, say, naturally bilingual context. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think um,
3: primary schools do teach English more and more. But I think it's not nearly enough, I think, the attention um, paid to English starts too late at secondary school. So I'm worried. Um, Well, I I know from teaching at secondary schools how hard it is for some to um, reach an appropriate level of English. So I wanted to be ahead of the game.
0: Yeah. And so uh, tell us about your your child. How how old is he?
3: he? Well, his name is Owen and he's going to turn two in November of this year. So he's uh, one year and a bit over 10 months at the moment. And, and uh, he's a little chatterbox.
0: <laughs> so, and a chatterbox in English, uh, in Dutch, or in both? In both, actually. For some
3: uh, for some objects and animals, he only knows the English word because, well, I'm at home with him uh, two days a week by myself. Those yeah. are the days that I speak English with him. Um, and we read lots of books and we sing songs. So then, well, he, he only hears the English names for certain animals. Yeah. Uh, so then he's adopted those words, and it took his uh, his childminder a, a while to figure out that he was saying things in English, even though they were quite clear to me. But he would say things like uh, buttertie or a butterfly. Yeah. yeah. And in in Dutch it sounds very different. It's "flinder," and so she wasn't aware what he was trying to point, uh, point out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's different, isn't it? One that is one thing, I'm sure if, if a grown-up had said to a butterfly, she probably would have understood, but it's different, isn't it, when children are speaking a language? Yeah, theme. you don't
3: expect it. Even after days, when he's been with his grandparents or with a childminder for a day, then uh, when he comes home, he's kind of in his Dutch setting, so he will call me mama and uh, his father he will call papa. And when he spent the day with me and his father comes home, he'll call him daddy. So it's like he has different settings.
0: Yeah. Do you know what? My kids do that too. So when the kids are, so we only speak English and then uh, I'm known, obviously, as mummy. And then um, if, uh, say, they've had a friend round for for the afternoon and they've totally gone over to Dutch mode. And then they'll say to me, mama, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just, it always takes me a while to think, oh, yeah, you're talking to me. Yeah. Because. I, I'm not cold, but it's interesting to hear that you're, uh, the, uh, your uh, son does that too. Yeah. Uh, so w- what's your approach then? So did I understand correctly that you speak English on certain days or, or yeah. do you speak English with him? or how? No,
3: I speak English with that. him when we're alone together. So yeah. as soon as his dad comes home, we switch to Dutch um, because, well, his dad's level of English is a bit lower. So uh, it's not bad by any means, but, um, yeah, we just switch to Dutch then. Um And sometimes when I get a little embarrassed when we're alone, but we go out and there's other people around, I may switch to Dutch as well just to avoid people uh, staring at us. Uh, But sometimes I, I just don't mind. So today we went to the playground and I'll speak English to him even when people
0: pass by. Yeah. Yep. Can I ask what 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 do you feel embarrassed about? I don't know.
3: I guess it's just uncommon. Where we live, I live in a very small town in the east of the Netherlands, so there's not many tourists, so you don't really hear English in the streets at all. So just any time someone speaks English, people will look up and, and notice and pay attention. I know I do when I hear someone speak English in my town because yeah. it, it's so rare.
0: So I guess that's why. Not wanting to like draw attention to yourself. Yeah. So how, how have people reacted to that in your environment about you making the decision to speak English to him some of the time?
3: Most people are pretty supportive and they think it's quite cool and brave. Um, and I think most people understand why I do it and I think many of them wished they could.
0: Yeah. What do you think the future looks like for him then?
3: So I guess what I'm worried about is that I'm doing more harm than good uh, in the long run, because you, well, you just can't tell. And I'm, I'm often a bit worried about not being a native speaker myself. I know I'm quite proficient. But I do make occasional mistakes that a native speaker might not make. So I, I mean, I believe in what I'm doing. That's why I'm doing it. So I, I'm very hopeful that in the end, he will benefit from speaking mm-hmm. English with me. But there is this tiny part of me that worries that maybe he will fall behind because of what I'm doing or yeah, maybe I'm, I'm teaching him the wrong things. But I guess only time will tell.
0: Well, ultimately, for your specific case, only time will tell. But, you know, I think anybody listening to this will think, well, you know, you can't tell you're not a native speaker. So I wouldn't worry about that at okay. all. No. Yeah. No.
3: And sometimes when he, he pronounces things, he has such a lovely accent. So then I think, OK, either I'm showing him the right kind of YouTube videos or he's picking up some nice sounds for me. You sound kind of a a little bit Australian. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you said that because I I felt I was losing it a
0: bit. So you've been to Australia. Yeah, a
3: long time ago. When I was 16, so that's, gosh, that's 20 years ago now. uh, I went to Australia for a year. But after that, when I went to university to study English, I switched to British English as an accent. But the professors kept telling me that my vowels were all wrong
0: at the moment. People tell me that all the time, but just don't believe anything of it. So, if you, if there are people listening who are thinking, well, actually, you know, you know, I speak English or another language really well, or you know, I speak my partner's language also really well. Should I, should I speak that language to my child? What, what piece of advice? Would you give to other parents wanting to do the same? I
3: think as long as you feel confident doing it um, most of the time, then you should. I consider it a gift to my child, uh, the gift of being able to speak another language. In the Mm -hmm. future, I plan to, uh, to travel with my son. Um, because my husband doesn't like to travel and I love traveling so I plan to travel and then I think what better gift can I give him than for him to be able to communicate with the people he meets uh, from different cultures and different countries um, and I guess if you speak a second language that family members speak maybe that's the only language they speak then what better gift can you give your children than to be able to communicate with their family members
0: Let's go Okay, so I think we're going to wrap it up for this particular episode. Maybe we can finish by talking about what these uh, findings mean for what teachers can expect from bilingual children.
1: Well, I think teachers, and, and for that matter, parents and speech-language pathologists, have to recognize that language acquisition is not a magical uh, process it takes time it takes exposure and the children who are acquiring two languages are doing more than the children who are acquiring just one and it will take them more time and the fact that the bilingual children may not have as big a vocabulary and may not be as advanced speakers as the monolingual children is normal. It's to be expected. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong uh, with the child. And so parents and teachers need to have reasonable expectations and not use their idea of what's typical for a three-year-old or a five-year-old in monolinguals and evaluate a bilingual child against that standard, they would come to a wrong conclusion about the bilingual child's abilities.
0: So there's no real clear answer to the question of how much of a language you need to hear in order to become bilingual. But what research has shown is that how much a child comes into contact with his or her two languages and the type of input that they get in those languages both have an effect. Here in the Netherlands, as in many countries around the world, bilingual children have to function in a largely monolingual environment when it comes to school. So, as I said earlier, this means that it's the language development of monolingual children that's considered the norm. And inevitably, bilingual children are regularly compared to their monolingual age mates, especially when we're talking about the language of school. And so when you think about how well a bilingual child can speak the language of school, as a parent, a teacher, or a speech language therapist, it's important that you take into account the fact that bilingual children often hear less of the language spoken at school than their monolingual peers. And they might not always hear the language used in the same contexts or by proficient speakers. And all of this can have consequences from what you can expect from them when it comes to their development in that language. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be worse, but it does mean that it's quite possible that they might be different. If you want to know more about Klet's Heads, go to cleftheadspodcast.org. That's where you'll also find more information about this episode. And if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to Klet's Heads using your favourite podcast app. Make sure you select the English edition. And if you've enjoyed the show, why not share it with a friend? Thanks for listening. And as we say in Dutch, tot de volgende keer.